city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming and BS, episode 349, being recorded Monday, July 5th, 2021! Welcome to Gaming and BS Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. Sean, how the hell are you? Doing well, Brett. How are you? How was the holiday weekend? Holiday weekend in the United States, ladies and gentlemen. It's our Independence Day, where Man, if did... we would have lost the war, we would be speaking English. Wait a minute. <laughs> it was actually pretty good. My sister and her family are in town. I have not seen her in person in five years. Uh, she lives out in Virginia. Just life changes and things happening, and just don't always get to see each other. So it was pretty cool. How did she end up? How did she end up in Virginia? Just out of curiosity. She's a nanny. Oh, there's not a lot of nanny work. She had one job in like Chicago, but there's not a lot of uh, old or new money around these parts that need nannies. No. <laughs> there's not a lot of them. Not a lot of it. East Coast though. East Coast, there's plenty of nanny needs. Yeah, a friend of mine's sister did that in Europe for a while. <laughs> old pair work. Yeah. Nah, she loves doing it. And my brother-in-law is a mechanic, so I learn a lot about cars every time Dwayne's in town. He's a fun guy. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but so he's been uh, hanging out with mom, dad, Leah, Dwayne, and Kaylee, my niece, so it's been a lot of fun. Cousins are getting along great, so that was really cool. Because you never know, kids change and everything. She's like, oh, cousins are going to get together. Hope they like each other still. Yay, they all get along. This is awesome. And gaming, holy crap, we got in some, uh, some fun games. Friday night was... Um, Alpha's um, Out of the Abyss, Rage of Demons thing. And uh, we're getting closer. I think we're almost done with that. Probably one or two more sessions away at least. But pretty close. And then uh, Saturday was at my house. I had the uh, my Greyhawk game. And uh, yeah, Alpha's been reading up on his Druid spells and what reversed memorized spells can do. Like neutralize poison if you reverse it. It's called poison. And if the uh, you fail your save, you die. So he killed my Dracolisk with one hit. Because I rolled a two on my save. The Dracolisk uh, spit acid, turned two guys to stone. Like, well, I guess we're dead. Ah, fuck, let's go have a smoke. They went outside to have a smoke. And it savages the party and it bites Alpha. And Alpha's like, well, as it bites me, I'm just going to reach in and kind of give it a little old bitch slap. Like, all right, what are you doing? A little touch spell? Yeah. It was like some obscene high to hit, so he hits it easily. Make your save. All right, fine. Five is over fail. You die. Give me that. I read it. Yeah, I think he's right. It's wow. I expected a half hour of battle, you know, honestly. So it became a lot more role playing. And uh, asked, it was like this what I figured would be like the last half of the evening became the bulk of the evening. Leave the mountains, head down. 
talk to Morden Cannon, deal with this, deal with that, and trying to figure out what comes next and putting together all the clues that they've gathered over the time. But it was uh, it was fun, really a really good use of creative spellcasting <laughs> and checking the rules and reading them. And uh, as Alpha said, you got to reread some of this stuff, man. It's been a long time since we played it. Check out what that does. Check out what that does. It's pretty fucking powerful. <laughs> that was. That was a good game. It was a good game. Did you get any gaming in last week since we talked? No, just um, cyberpunk character creation session zero-ish. So we should be starting not this, not tomorrow, but the following Tuesday. We'll see so how you're going, you going Rocker Boy? I or, am. Uh, uh, Rigger, or what are you doing? Doc is playing Rocker Boy. <laughs> Crystal is playing social media person. Okay. Uh, I'm playing Fixer. Oh, Fixer. Okay. But I'm going to be uh, my my character is Hendrix Y Spencer, Fixer. Who any he, he's going to be dressing up in '70s garb, like everywhere he goes, he wears like big collars and leisure suits, and he's a he's a record producer, talent agent, probably fixer. for Doc. Like he's probably do his he's probably okay. on his electric. What I call it. Electric Fantasy Records or something like that. Okay. Yeah. This guy's guitar. He's not a musician. He's not no. a talent. He's he's a he's a mover and a shaker. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Doc's guys. Oh, I don't know. I told him you gotta you gotta you gotta gotta somebody's gotta play a guitar for yeah, sure. Exactly. That's awesome. With like Devo glasses on or whatever. Yes, 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 yes. Anything so, else? Uh no. Uh no. And then on this Thursday, I have this Thursday, I have. Forbidden Lands. <laughs> so, we'll so for see. those of you playing in Sean's Forbidden Lands game, he's told me a bit about what's going on, and I mock your pain. <laughs> no, I do not mock your pain. I just I laugh because, wow, Sean gave me a kind of a blow by blow with some <laughs> side stuff in it. So from his perspective, I'm like, wow, that is some awesome shit. When your players do crazy cool things and throw stuff around, it's like killing my monster for the evening. Whack. Like, wow, that's uh, that was a big fight I thought would happen. Turns out if you touch him, he dies. If I can't roll, wow. Hmm. I later on was talking to Susan. She asked me, she goes, oh, my God, I heard you guys howling down there. What happened? And I explained it to her. She goes, well, you could have been a dick and, like, found some way to, to nerf it or take it away and say, no, 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 that doesn't work on this, that, or the other thing. I said, yeah, it could have. And she goes, but it wouldn't be a legend then. Would not be a gaming event legend. She knows the group. deal. Get her, like, get yeah, her out right. of here. Get yeah. her out of here. Hey, where is she? Oh, Bring it. She make me. She make me look stupid. I can't do that. Get, get Susan, get in here. Get in here, Susan. <laughs> here, just talk into the mic. It'll be fine. Yeah, tell these guys what's going on. Yeah, tell them the deal. Other than that, I have sorted out. Um, I think three games I want to put in for Game Ocon. Yeah, I submitted so, one. Did you? Okay, which one? The Haunting of Ypsilon 14. Okay. Mothership? Ah, uh, yes. Mothership. Okay. We Very will do. Good. I should have put in the description, we will be doing character gen. Yeah, you should have. Thick one. Very cool. Yes. It looks like a pamphlet you get at a gas station. <laughs> it tells you all the cool sites are. What is that? Gatefold of four pages, six pages total, maybe? Nice. Very good. Yeah, I'm going to run a World of Darkness game, horror game, and then I'm going to do probably, um, not probably, I'm going to do two Avalon games. Just got to get them 
crafted up and entered in. One will be a 5e game, and the other one I think will be Osric playing out some older school. Something to be fun with, so looking forward to that. Yeah, I will probably submit Forget About It. I think I'm going to use that as a go-to. And it's a classic, man. It's a good con game. Yeah, I know. And it's easy to throw out there, run. And Every time you run that at a con, you have a good story afterwards, and people talk about how much fun they had every they just, time. It's always fun, and it's never the same. And it's even, you know, mm-hmm. even with the same five characters, it just is so hilarious. It's um, good. Yeah. And then I uh, went to Noble Knight today to pick up my check. Uh-huh. And it's not there. Yeah. No, what happened? So I probably gave them like $400 worth of books. Well, I don't yeah. know. Dude wasn't, guy who took it in wasn't there, but he emailed me. He's like, oh, I have your check at the front. I'm like, okay. I mean, I didn't go there the next day, but I figured, Still, you know, it'd be there. It'd be there. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was not. So did they, like, have, yeah. did they at least apologize? Oh, of find course. It for you? Yeah. I okay. think the woman at, she was hoping I wasn't going to go ballistic or something. Like, I'm really sorry. I'm like, that's fine. Well, you know, should we we mail it to you? Do you want to come in back and pick it up? Like, are you local? Because I could have been driving from Chicago for all they know. Yeah, that would have been the killer. It's like, oh, yeah, I drove up from wherever, USA, and yeah, assholes. Here's, yeah, nobody has a checkbook here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no one really? can write this. And so, yeah, I didn't buy anything, which was good. I'd be interested to know if my books are, like, were they taken in an inventory yet? Because if I say, you know what, I haven't gotten the check, I'll just take my books back. They could have freaked them out. Like, like, I don't know where that is, somewhere in the... <laughs> yeah, that, that might have freaked them out. What did you bring in? Oh, don't tell me. Because they don't take an inventory of your shit. I mean, you know what I'm Not, saying? I don't know if you do when you take your stuff in, like, a list. I do, yeah. I should probably do that, but I didn't. This is the only bad story I've ever heard about them. Like, as in bad as in it's a simple mistake. Not the end of the world. Yeah, it's a simple mistake. I'm hoping it's not a big deal. And Kyle, the guy who's the MFIC, just comes in and... Corrects it tomorrow for you. Writes a check or sends it. I'm like, you can send it to me, but please have somebody tell me that they're sending it and when. So I can, like, not go Watch the mail and wonder what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Anything else? No, but I am prepping an email that'll go out to BSers in the Ooh, next few days, couple days. Just what's about what? You, you're not quitting, are you? Because no. I'm fucked without you. You know that, right? Why would I put that in an email to BSers? <laughs> I don't know. It'd just be a, just a, just an interesting way to quit the job. You know, anyway, I quit. Dear That's all BSers, it says. This is Sean. I quit. <laughs> S. S. Ah, fuck. <laughs> What's it about? Anything cool, interesting, or are you just spamming no, people? Which spam. is a thing we said we'd never do. Spamming spam? people, spam. Good. Yeah. That's what we. That's what we collect. Yes, it's BS. I don't know if you. I mean, we should call it BS. Like it's BS. We should. Yeah, it goes along with the brand. It does. No, what's it about? What's it about? I can't I tell, tell you. Me. Yeah, wait till you get the email. Oh Jesus! It's not going to be anything crazy. I mean, you know, it's like a. There's a million dollar giveaway, probably a truck, oh, a lottery. Okay, okay. You know, oh, that thing. We thought, click on this link, and you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're getting all that. We're getting all that money from that. Um, that uh, that that prince who needs help. So we're good. Right. Right. We all that coming. So yeah. we're good. Okay. Yeah. Good, Everlasting. Good, good. You know, life. All this stuff. It's, it'll be oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all in the email. So look out for that. And if you're not subscribed, well, shit. <laughs> no truck for you. S O L. 
<laughs> Let's go to Random Encounter. Before Random Encounter! Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Ooh, oh, we got a call. We do. We have a voicemail from Timothy Stone calling things out uh, about editions. All right, let's sit back and see what he has to say. All right, here we go. Hey, Brett and Sean, this is uh, Timothy Stone. Uh, I was going to say something about being a longtime listener, sometimes caller, but I think I'm just going to introduce myself from now on as Roger Brassless GM. Just kidding. Uh, actually, there was something you were just talking about in the uh, gaming editions thing. Actually, Sean was talking about selling his old games, and of course, I've told a story many times over about selling my gaming collection years ago and making quite a bit of money on my Shadowrun collection. But this really boils down to gaming editions and the handful of, collect- the handful of games Sean sort of talked about. You know, I'm down to essentially D&D 5, 5th edition, and Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 2nd edition. I I keep a copy, a reprint copy of the Twilight 2000 1st uh, edition rules I uh, picked up from uh, Far Future Enterprises. But yeah, that's that's essentially my gaming collection. I've got a couple of other things around there. Old School Essentials kind of interests me. I don't own it. Um, I have, of course, all the PDFs of all the first edition stuff uh and i'd love to play that uh but i don't have a lot of players that want to do that um for a while i was blogging about the basic uh, red box uh version of the game uh got about halfway through the uh player's handbook of the red box uh, a red box game and never really finished it but um, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, Edition Wars interest me for a while. Uh, certainly when uh, third edition of Warhammer came out, huge, hated it. Didn't was, Had no interest in it. Uh, some appreciation for what fourth edition was doing, but didn't pick it up. Um, so I do have some appreciation for what John is talking about. And uh, that's all I wanted to call and leave a message about was, Edition wars and editions are what I want to play, and I'm I'm happy with what I've got. Um, Forbidden Lands definitely inter- uh, interests me, uh, by the way, Sean. So you've uh, got me putting that in my cart. But yeah, great podcast as always. Uh, keep up the great work. Tell Roger I said hello, and uh, we'll keep listening. Take care. Bye. <laughs> awesome. That's interesting. I, I think it is. We've talked about this before, Sean, where we can say, oh, you can always find someone online to play with. Oh, you can always find, right? And while that may be true in the largest sense, like somebody out there will play with you, is that a person that you're going to want to play with? You know, we've talked about gaming groups and how hard it can be sometimes to keep good ones together, people that gel well together, have a good time, you know, sometimes become longtime friends and so on. But uh, yeah, it's. I think that that was a driver for me to <clears throat> to scrap some of the uh, additions and components of my collection that I was. I'm like, I'm never going to play this because I know who I want to play with and who I play with the most are the guys I play with. I'm like, huh, none of them are interested in this, and I don't have enough drive to hype it to them. 
say, guys, we got to try this, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I'll feel like if I've if I've got a new game and I have enough energy on it, you know, I'm like, ooh, this is really cool. Like Forbidden Lands, I started talking about it a little bit to the guys on Saturday and like, huh, that sounds kind of interesting. I'm like, ooh, I just got to throw another <laughs> line out there. I might be able to hook them, you know. But it's kind of, yeah, I totally get where, where he's coming from. It's, what, you know, you go to you go to Noble Knight and, you know, their their inventory is not even in the retail part. It's just. It can't be. It's like a football field. <laughs> it's, it's a huge. Uh, it's you know, and you can pretty much buy anything that's not limited print or out of print. Yeah. I mean, even out of print, I should say. But I'm saying like Xanathar's Guide, alternate cover, you know, like one copy or something. But I well, was going. Tons of shit. They have tons of stuff. Yeah. I was looking, looking at their what they had out on the shelves and I'm like I picked up and put in my hands Shadows of the Demon Lord put that back Cthulhu Confidential which crazy enough is going for like 250 bones man really yeah and I looked it up on Pelgrin I think you can buy a hard copy for 80 from straight from Pelgrin Uh, no I don't think so they just don't I don't know if they have it in print anymore like I went on Amazon you can't find it wow interesting yeah so anyways I, I looked at a couple. I'm like, oh, look at this thing. I don't know. No, no. no I got to get out of here. No, I don't need this. I must leave. I'm not going to freaking run this thing. What am I doing? Yeah. So. Oh, I totally get it. Str- absolutely makes sense. Struggle is real, man. Thanks for writing. It's absolutely real. Thanks for calling in, Tim- Timothy. He mentioned Say Hi yeah, to Roger, which is, I think he DMs Roger's like, group. He's yeah. The, he's he's been, master. I think they were playing. I know Roger played a lot of second edition, at least I, at some point, second edition AD and D, I think. But they were playing a lot of um, second edition Warhammer fantasy roleplay, like like Timothy was saying there, Mister Stone. So cool, very very cool. Yeah. All right, so I'll let you read the next one. Off All right, I will read the next one. Reading, Laramie comments on the thing about editions. Editions. I've heard people complain about second edition not being compatible with third edition with 4th edition, with 5th edition. I understand the gripe. It's a thing I've never had issue with, but I get the complaint as it does seem in most other fields, it's the same basic book with small changes. Like Ray Otis pointed out, some games do just that. Castles and Crusades is still working out their typos on the 8th printing? (laughs) I think a lot of the episode ties together. I was going to say regarding Star Wars and Star Trek, having space to game in and other places don't i would make the case even in the limited in the limited screen run firefly has space to play but then later they said you don't need the ip you could just use the themes and i think that's absolutely true you could just use the wild west space theme and not worry about laying over the firefly universe yeah you you can you can but some people hook onto those things Oh, totally. Yeah, there's there's more work to do there. I, I think we, I know I tried to make that statement, but there is more work to do there. If you take a thing from a movie or any IP and like, oh, I'm going to use this in with this rule set, it's more incumbent on you and your players. You don't have a reference guide to go to in a world book or a, a game system that's specifically designed for an IP. There's a, there's hooks and so on in there. And some people just love the idea of it's Firefly, man. Right. All the, all the proper quote yeah. Firefly tropes are hooked onto it. There are people that will 
they will play Firefly, but they won't play Traveler Space Western. Probably yes. I would not I would not doubt that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so continue he continues. Regarding people being mad about new systems replacing their old system, I absolutely agree. If you want the new shiny, try the new shiny. If you like the old workhorse, run with that. Third edition came out, I read it, I didn't like it, and my group continued to run second edition, then Hackmaster, Hack which was essentially 2E until about 2016 or so. And to the point of people moving on, I ended up with a lot of 1E, 2E stuff we kept using when other friends moved on to 3E, which is another thing I never understood. People that threw a fit when the Star Wars Expanded Universe was removed from canon. People were mad that imaginary history never happened. It never happened. And you could still enjoy your Zahn books, Timothy Zahn trilogies, yep. what he's talking about. They have always been stories. They still are. Read, enjoy, and relax. And the last point, I've always told people to run what they want to play. Many game masters complain they don't want to run 5e, but it's what the players want to run. As you all say, the game master is also a player. If the GM wants to run Star Wars, but the players want to play 5e, well, one of the players better learn how to run 5e. I'm guessing for the last 20 years, Hackmaster probably wasn't all probably wasn't all my players' first choice, but it's what I wanted to run. Cheers, Laramie. There's some power in that, Laramie, man. If that if uh, if a group is strong arming the resident game master and saying you will do this, and she feels like, oh my god, I have to do this, and they're like, man, I don't have any choice, but this is all my group wants to play. You're like really, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm stuck running." Blah. I, you know, that's kind of a dick move on the group part. You know, honestly, I don't know, man. There was a, I don't know. Uh... If you don't like it enough, right? I mean, there's there's a there's some there's some good stuff in what Laramie just said. There's, I, I think it's there's got to be give and take on that. You know, I think. If sure. I really don't, if I'm really sick of running 5e, I'm really sick of running Genesis. And I'm like, I'd like to try 2d20 Conan. Yeah, but we could use Genesis for that. We really like the Genesis system. I know, but I don't want to do this anymore. That's a harder stance than, what do you guys want to play? I could play anything. Or, yeah, it's not my favorite, but yeah, I could run that. You know, there's it. How hard of a line do you as the game master want to want to draw? You know, he or she, they want us to say, look, this is all I'm going to do. I'm doing this. If you don't like it, don't show up at my table. But buddy Lenny does that. I'm playing Call of Cthulhu using this edition. Well, I don't know if I like Cthulhu. Don't play. Moving on. <laughs> it's that easy. You know, he's like, there's other people to play. As long as I get four of you, I'm good. Moving on. You know. I like that. I like that approach, though. That makes sense to me. You agree? No? Yeah, I agree. Well, I agree to some point, but I know I think it's still inevitable that people are just going to put up a, a complete fit about playing a different game. And that's fine. But then, like I said, then what? You got a choice. Like, yep. You got to either acquiesce or you got to move on. Yep. And, you know, with me and the Curse of Strahd game, I mean, it didn't work out for a variety of different reasons, but I don't, I mean, I play fifth edition. I would go back to the same group and say, all right, we're going to play fifth edition. Everybody seems sold on fifth edition. 
fine. Okay, no problem. But I would I would run it in a different setting or a different you know yeah. game, whatever. And then I would at least get half of what I like, <laughs> and mm. they can play the other half of what they'll like, which they will probably appreciate the setting and the adventures as well. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and hopefully I don't get so frustrated and pissed off. But <laughs> like I said, Midnight Fifth Edition comes out. I would throw that on the table, and they can sure go ahead. You guys can be Billy. Billy Joe, Jane, Bob asses, Bob asses, fat Why asses. Not? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Try it though; it could be fun. Yeah, interesting. Thanks, Larry. That was good stuff. I like it. All right, Mister Bonhoff commented on being a better RPGer. At one point, Brett, I think, mentioned a four-way intersection in a dungeon hallway, and some discussion followed about good players grabbing the reins and making a choice. I don't think either of you gents would do this in a game you were actually running, but I feel compelled to say that three identical but diverting paths in an empty hallway is not a choice for players. To be interesting, it's up to GM to provide some details distinguishing the different options. Maybe a defeated goblin earlier in the game told the party what horrible dangers are down one path or went slope steeply, steeply downward. Another might have roughly excavated walls that stand out from the rest of the construction or the scent of fresh blueberry muffins eats up one in the dark corridor. It doesn't really matter what the details are, but the players need something or any choice they make. It's just not, it's just going to be a random selection, which really isn't a choice at all. And Mr. Bonhoff, that is actually correct. It was a kind of a shortened, abbreviated explanation. But yeah, I mean, the, if you go down a corridor, they all look the same. Now, I could say, depending on the setting, on everything else it, it, to pull out of Sean, it all absolutely depends. If you're going down the dungeon, you come to a four-way intersection, and everything looks exactly the same. You're like, shit. Sometimes that in itself is a clue, a reason why it is. And this is where I think as grabbing the reins to me is that sometimes saying, is there anything different about the four hallways? Are they they really exactly the same? Because we were tracking a goblin. Are there any footprints? Any Anything here? No, this well, says the game master. Yeah, this one has. Sometimes you can pull the descriptions out from the game master by asking very leading questions as the player. Like, look, I'm looking for blah, blah, blah. And they could say, oh, yes, Sean, I understand exactly what you're looking for, but there's nothing there. It's absolutely empty. Everything looks exactly the same. That may be a clue, but by doing those things, you're then role-playing, asking, trying to pull data as to what's going on. So very good point, though. I did not mean it to be a... Uh, I, yeah, I get your point, Matt. Yeah. That's 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 the there should be details, information and so forth, because if everything is like 10 by 10 hallway, you go right, you go left, I go left. OK, there's another junction. Do you want to go up or down? I, no description, no <laughs> anything to it. And we ask, well, they look. Yeah, no, it's, it's just a 10 by 10 corridor. Keep moving. OK, <laughs> it feels like you're playing. You know, old school, uh, you know, uh, Castle Wolfenstein. Like, it all looks the same. This is not that fun. No, I get it. I remember as kids doing that. Left, right, or straight, straight. Left, right, or straight, straight. Left, right, or straight, straight. You get a door on your right, or you can go straight, straight. It was just like this. No, no wind, no smell, no sound. No, we wanted wanted to kick in in a door and kill a monster, you know, depending on what you're doing. That was a lot of it. Left, right, or straight. 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 Left eye straight. Straight. Uh, left. Yeah. Actually, I uh, I purposely set up a maze one time for my players that were doing that in high school. Yeah. Left eye straight. Straight. No doors. Where are Where are we? No one's been mapping. Well, you said nope. You guys specifically, you you've got a thing. You know that <laughs> it took up for. I got so pissed at me. 
I walked around this horrible, convoluted circle. Oh, it was a mess. Minotaurs kicked their asses for a while. It was great. Anyway, good point, Mr. Bonhoff. I appreciate the, the note and the clarification. Over to you, Sean. Email from Ty. Hey, guys, thanks for answering my question last week or so ago. And, yes, I'm still doing my daily steps for the day, walking around the blocks, trying to get some California good air. Maybe when I was trying to get at the at what I was trying to get at with my question about the TV show IPs is that does the world have enough lore to be able to warrant its own role playing game? So context wise, Ty wrote us, said, "Hey, there's IPs coming out. Do we really need those? Because you could do some of that stuff in games that already exist." Yeah, is there enough oomph behind some of these settings to really make it worthwhile? This seems to be an expansion on that. Keep right. going. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Maybe when I was trying to get at with my question, did he do, do is it its own RPG able to warrant its own RPG? Is there enough there to want to dip in that world over and over again, or is it a one-hit wonder? Or could could you do what we do with a lot of stuff? Is like is just modify an existing game to be able to play that particular kind of scenario or setting. Like, I know in my past, I've played a Star Wars-like game. I call it a space opera that might not be stormtroopers, but they might not, quote, and uh, quote, and quote be, dri- uh, be driving the Millennium Falcon but, Falcon, but you are. We all know that underneath it all, that that's what you're flying or that's what you're fighting against. I've played in games where you basically say that the wizards control an element like a, uh, like being a Ben like being a bender, but you're not playing in the Avatar world. And I've seen a lot of makeshift elemental controlled RPGs to give the feel of Avatar without being it being an Avatar. I have seen games where you trade out a spaceship for a sailing ship, and you know underneath you're basically playing Star Wars or Star Trek. These modified scenarios that I played in, was, was it enough to scratch that itch, or do we need more? Do we need one more book on the bookshelf. Okay, time. So, yeah, so Ty, I think we're, I would yes. go back and, and say, <laughs> if you really like the IP, then absolutely yes. Yeah. Because sometimes, if nothing else, if you really love the IP, and you're like, yeah, but I don't know if I want to play a new system. Dude, the IP is there. If you want to dive into that IP to mine it for stuff for your game that you want to use, some of that stuff can be great inspiration. Honestly, some of the stuff on my gaming shelves that I kept is stuff that I reference as gaming um, it's inspiration to me. There's certain second. I'm not a huge second edition AD and D guy, but I still like it. I have it. I actually have a plan to play it. Um, but there's certain pieces in there. Like, oh, I like this thing. I remember that module. And then I look at my, um, excuse me, Call of Cthulhu, some of my old vampire books that I kept that I didn't sell. There are components of them that I liked, inspiration wise, that help um, drive me forward for different plots and things. It's conceivable that some of those worlds. Um, may not have a lot of meat to them. And he could pick up that thin, floppy little book and find out that there's not a lot in it than the shit you already know, right? But, Sean, I think you hit it on the head earlier when we kind of hinted around this this topic again, is that there's some power in saying, I am playing Star Wars, I am playing Firefly, I am playing Leverage. Because if the folks playing with you are fans of it, I think that's where the power comes in. So I have played Amber Diceless a number of times with my with my group. I have a handful of folks in that group who have read the books 
a number of other people can't stand the books, and a couple other folks have no intention of reading them and could give a shit. It's tough for those people who don't know the world and the setting because they're asking questions about things that everybody else is like, that's a stupid question. You know, you hear it in your head, you're like, it doesn't work like that. No, that's not how that, no, that Oberon doesn't, know. you know, all this stuff in it. If everyone at the table was a really big IP fan, it could be a huge boon. And sometimes you can use it. We've talked about this before. We can warp the IP, change it around a little bit and so forth. That can be a lot of fun. And this is not to say that you can't help those people who are asking the the stupid question, quote unquote, of course, obviously there. But sometimes it's it's just easier and a faster track to get everybody in the same vein. We all know Lord of the Rings movies. Yes, that's the only canon you know. Okay, I'll keep this Lord of the Ring game similar to the movie canon, not necessarily the books, the Cimmerillion, the Lost Tales, plus, 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 you know. So I, I can I can see some power on it, but Ty, if you're able to to pull out what you need, I don't know if you necessarily need that that book on your shelf. If you can grab the pieces you want, then I don't think you need it, you know, or want it. There is no. So when you say, do we need one more book on the bookshelf? You know, these modified scenarios that I played was it enough to scratch that itch? And do we need more? Personal, it's a good question, a good personal question. So it is a question to each individual, and it's going to be answered by an individual. So if Ty says, no, I don't think so, then for Ty's world, then great. But you're going to ask somebody else, and they're going, yes, we do, because I want to play Star Wars. I want to play, Le- play Leverage, the TV show. I want to experience that at the table. I want to be that character and, mm-hmm. and play the cons and all that stuff. And somebody would say, but you can do that in X and Y and Z game. Well, sure you can. You could, if that were the case, we'd all be playing D and D or any or, others or, or groups or, 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 or insert any. first game ever created here. Yeah. Cause I would just modify it, hack it, rule it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first edition AD&D, but don't need anything else. Why do we want to have second, third, fourth, fifth? Why do we need mm-hmm. Star Wars? Why do we need Traveler? Just play Star Wars in space. We don't, you know, where's the, where does it end? Yeah, yeah, it can. Right? So. I Yeah. No, you're right. It, it's a personal question. I think it's a good question that Ty asks. And this is one of the things that <laughs> Sean and I are talking about more when we, ooh, that sounds like a good game. Uh, I'm going to think about it for a while. The question is, do I need it on my shelf? Right. Right. Do I want it? Do I need it because I think I have a nostalgia for it? Powerful. Do I need it because I'm excited about this? I want to play it. So on and so forth. I am not interested in the Dying Earth um, setting that DCC, DCC. Goodman Games is putting together. It is not of interest to me as a gaming. I have the I have the uh, <clears throat> the books. I have a nice compendium of them. I need to read them again. Or get, excuse me, need to get back to reading them. I started it and I got distracted. Um, but it's not a setting that I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome for me. So that setting in, it's from a world in a book series from a man, Jack Vance, who's long dead. You have the Dying Earth books. I, I, nah, I don't need it right now. Maybe at some point I will. But just, and Goodman Game puts out a top quality product, no doubt about it. But that's not enough to make me want to do it. You know. Oh, and speaking of 
while we're on this topic. Oh, sorry. Go. Are you going to say what's in the die roll? No, I'm not. I was going to say I actually, um, Tim DeShane did post something on Twitter about Hyperborea, third edition. Yeah. And I'm I'm starting to look at the Kickstarter again. I'm like, God damn you, Tim. (laughs) I knew that would happen. I'm like, someone I trust is going to tell me something cool about this. No, I haven't put any money down yet, but I'm. Uh, it's very tempting. Curse you, Deshane. <laughs> anyway, good question though, Ty. I like the question, and I think I think you're right. You can scratch the itch, and uh, you can say, "Oh yeah, we played this." It's kind of like that. Yeah, I got. I have yes. that covered. And some folks are totally cool with that. And the other thing, frankly, I would do the research, the checking on the role playing game itself. Because your question of, is there enough lore here? And the Hellboy universe has a shit ton of lore. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff you get mined in there. All the BPRD stuff, all the Hellboy comics, a ton of lore. What does the what does the book itself look like? If the rule book and the setting is this teeny little floppy book with hardly any meat in it, I'd say, bail, man, I've got more data in my comic collection. You know, my, my graphic novels of all my Hellboy stuff. I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't go out and buy the new Hellboy role playing game because I already have all the lore. You know, it's just not. That's, that's just again it's a piece I would look at. So anyway, thanks, Ty. Good stuff. Yeah, man. I see both. Like I really do. I see his argument, mm-hmm. and I I see the I see both sides of it. Yep, we do. No, we don't. I I say it all the time. Yeah. I need another fantasy game. No, I have three editions of Star Wars. Why couldn't I just do the first one or? Not even do it to begin with. Like, I don't know. I want to play Star Wars, man. You know? <laughs> Anyways, thanks, Ty. Very much so. Yeah, thank you. Daniel commented on uh, modifying encounters on the fly. He said, hey, guys, Daniel here, Primeval Fantasy on Twitter. I've been enjoying flipping through all of your episodes. Good Lord, dude, that's a fair amount. So thank you for doing so. And you did the favor of not commenting on the backlog, but will annoy you going forward. <laughs> this episode had several uh, related topics regarding the issues of actually altering an enemy's stats or even adding more baddies, fudging dice, etc. If a fight is becoming too easy for the PCs, I'd fall on the con side of the fence. I get that we want the players never to be bored, but part of my group's social contract is that we don't alter the reality of events. They can smell contrivances, and losing faith in that contract damages our fun. Good stuff. More annoying responses will haunt you, Daniel. <laughs> well, thank you, Daniel. Bring them on, brother. And if um, you remember what I said at the top of this episode... Yeah, I could have modified my Dracolisk and said, nope, it's too big. It's uh, It gets a bonus to its save, or it does. it's immune to poison because of bullshit reason two. Or what, I, I could have nerfed what Alpha wanted to do with that spell. I could have done that. However, the preamble to that encounter was they had a pretty good idea where the creature was in this vast cavern, and they creeped around the outside stayed away from it, played really smart, really quiet, picked up a shit ton of clues. They found like a dead, massive basilisk body. They found a dead black dragon, which is how those two things mate. They make a Dracolisk. They, they found all these clues, a dead Medusa. Okay, so something came in, took the Medusa's lair. They found magic items. They creeped and snuck and figured out all the shit they could. In the end, it still whomped the crap out of them until Alpha touched it and killed it. But it was this wonderful buildup. And the fact that it ended like that was a bit of uh aw. But it was also wonderful in the same way. It was a wickedly easy encounter because he happened to have something that end 
And he looked at me and smiled and goes, your dice are cold, dude. I know what to use. I'm like, fuck you, Will. <laughs> like, you know, you know, but it was, it was just a fun, it was a really fun thing. And yes, I could have modified that. But I think in that instance, to Daniel's point, nah. They'd have been like, you, that's a contrivance. You've made up some horseshit garbage just to keep your monster alive. <laughs> some you players know, see right through fucker. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it would have been so glaringly obvious because... When he did it to me, if I could have had a camera to see my face, I would have I would have probably laughed out loud. I was in absolute shock. It would have been so obviously that I was fudging something to make it last. So I get what Daniel's saying, and one of the pieces I love that he has in here is he's saying, my group's social contract is that we don't. Whether they have that actually written down, signed in blood, don't care. But he knows enough of that group. Like, look, man, this is how we like to run, and we don't like that stuff. That's wicked cool that you have that much insight into your group and how they like to play. Because that makes so much of everything else Sean and I talk about a hell of a lot easier. Grown-up, real conversations with people. That's the type of stuff that makes gaming fun and a hell of a lot easier to deal with. Yes. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Very Thanks, good stuff, Daniel. Eh? Yeah. Anything looking else, forward man? to hearing more from you. Absolutely. We're, I'm going to subscribe. Scri- I would. I subscribe to Daniel. Okay. That, absolutely. Let's get into the main topic, yo. You ready? Paul, are you ready? Kind of. We got really shit sketch notes, but we're going to try to do this. <laughs> yeah. So Kojo asked us a question um, a couple episodes ago about, do we use mechanics from one system to another? And at first I was thinking about, should we try to focus on the how? And then I thought, I don't know if Sean does this even. So I want to start off with, is this a thing that we do? And if we do do it, why? And if we don't, why don't we? Because I think we've talked about house rules and hacks and all that stuff for six years, right? We've been doing this for a long time. So we talk about this type of thing. But it's interesting to think about sometimes the, you know, why are you doing it? Or, you know, because somebody somewhere is going to hit the clang. Why don't you just play a different game? Clang. Why don't you just play this other game? Somebody will say that, right? If they hear this discussion, yeah, Sean will say that, which is funny <laughs> because to me, it's similar to there is a there's a Twitter post I've saved. I need to find it and repost it. And somebody said that when someone tells you, I'm going to paraphrase, that their D&D game was all role playing. They didn't roll any dice all night. And you take the time to tell them that they're playing the wrong game. You are missing the point, not them. Which I think is pretty insightful. So. To the topic at hand about mechanics from one system to another, another, another. <laughs> Ugh, what the hell? I'm not even drinking. Brett, Brett usually doesn't mess up as much as I do. Not too bad. Another. Another. Good gravy. <laughs> um, Sean, is this something that you you could think that you do or have done? Like, hey, I stole. Um, I'm not talking about like house ruling, something that's similar to you, but we're saying, look, I like the initiative from savage rolls or i like this these climbing rules or these swimming rules you know have you done that whole cloth like that you mean swapping them out or taking them yeah taking something from one system and to use it for another like let's say for example we've used this example before the chase system in nice black agents mm-hmm. like i mean do you read it and go wow i really like that or about i'm just using that as an example and say, wow, I really like that. I will use that for all my chases henceforth and not forever. I mean, it's, that, it's such a thought of a cross mind. Like, man, this, 
this little micro mechanic piece or whatever it is is so fucking good. I want to use it everywhere or wherever it pertains. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't modern, I don't mod enough. I don't, I'm not a modder. Like, is that, is that part of your failing, Sean? It probably could be, could be <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Possible. Which uh, is the same as I don't play the rules as written hard oh, enough. That's you know? true too. Maybe it could be a problem just, on my side. Okay. So the, the logic here is, okay, Sean, let me get this straight. You don't follow the rules of the game that's written and you don't mod. So what the hell are you actually running? Like, how are you coming up with this crap? I don't know. Whatever. said something on uh, on Twitter, going back to a Twitter comment, where he's like, "I have run and played in literally thousands of games, and they have never once ever been 100 percent rules as written." I don't think. Basically, it's like I don't think it's possible. Well, the reason yeah. that that has come up is because it it comes up on Twitter every once in a while, and the ones that they're talking, the what they're talking about is, do the publishers and designers run their games the way that they're written? And yeah. that I've I've seen a lot of publishers like Dennis or um, God, who is the other guy from uh, Ivy? No, yeah, she, Ivy, Shane Ivy, Shane, Shane Ivy. Ivy. Yeah, yeah, I think they were like, "Oh, it's making its rounds again," you know, and it's oh yeah, and they're yeah. like, "No, we don't." I can't even remember the, half the rules that we actually did publish, you know, some of this stuff, and so I think they get, depending on like when you published it and what you're working on now, it's not the only thing you work on, guys. Right. right. So anyway, do you to go back to the point at hand here though? I can say that I have stolen components of rules from certain pieces it happens a lot to me in D, just to use that is simply because i have all the history first second third fourth fifth all those additions and someone will be doing something we'll be like what are the what the fuck are the swimming rules suddenly swimming shows up we didn't expect it was somebody fell in the in the underground river shit um what are the rules uh i don't think they're on 5e no anything anything alpha what do you got well and pathfinder's like this good we'll use that and we'll, we'll take something and we'll do it ad hoc because it's a rule everyone knows, agrees to, and we go, ah, this will cover the situation. We often then will go back and reread the rule and five, ah, this is how you actually do it. And sometimes we say, you know what? This is the real rule. What do you guys think? I like what we did before. So shall it be written. <laughs> so you say so, let it be so. We throw that down like, okay, if swimming for this campaign is using the Pathfinder swimming rules, for example. So I think that is how or when, I should say, much of that comes into play for me. Um, one of the things that got me thinking about it, Kojo mentioned the question. It's been perking in my head for a while. And um, when we start talking about lessons learned off of Forbidden Lands and stuff, and you talked about how it works and the mechanics and, and so forth, and I thought, man, I could be making my Greyhawk game the hex crawl components of it could be more interesting if I took components, if not whole cloth, took parts of the hex crawling rules from that because they are, I feel from what you've explained to me anyway, that they would be more tight. And by tight, I mean very simple, bullet pointed, do one, do two, do three, get this checklist to go through. It would allow for a better consistent um, type of overland traveling. Man, that could be fucking kick ass for my D&D games. I should take a look at that. So I guess that would might might honestly be the first time I've looked at a mechanic system specifically to say I'm going to take this with the intent of using it in this other game. But a lot of times it comes down to additions 
of a game where we're playing and someone says, huh, how does this run now? Fuck. I don't remember. How did it run? Runs like that. Use that. Use that thing. Right. Sounds like that. But with advantage, let's do that. Oh, let's let's try this. Oh, it's uh, shit. Um, we can't find it in Cthulhu sixth or seventh edition. Uh, give me a, this test. We'll just move on. And then because what we're doing is using mechanics from a previous edition to expedite play. So do, have you ever run into that, Sean, where you do that type of thing? Now that I got to say has probably come up either purposely or inadvertently. Like I think that that's for sure, you know, going with the, the judgment call, right? Like, okay, yeah, I don't know what the rule mm-hmm. is. I'm pretty sure it's this. Usually we may not even find out what it is, like what, what the actual rule is or whatever. It's just right. like, hey, we got to do this thing, so we're going to do it. Yeah. You know, we find out. I just squirt my cat dog. He's biting books, and he's pissing me off. <laughs> At first, he, he thought he was getting away with it because I thought he was, I'm talking, and I'm distracted. So I, he's like, wait a minute. Why am I getting rained on? Anyways, thanks, Augie, for distracting the hell out of me. But But we usually look back and then go, oh, okay, we were using... The old edition spell then mm. instead of this one. So inadvertently, I think it happens, but I don't think I would purposely think to myself, oh, okay, I'm going to, I I don't know enough of the rule. I don't know the rules by heart enough to say, oh, I'll just refer, we'll just pull in the f- fourth edition rule and, and we'll run so with I it. So I played with, so let me throw you this one. I played with a couple of guys and they wanted to play they wanted to play GURPS. Okay. But they wanted to. I'm like, okay, I can run GURPS. It's been a while. Yeah, I'll bone up and run GURPS. Well, sure, I can do that. They want to play in the Conan setting. Like, okay, I know a fuck ton about that. This will be fine. And they said, we want to use the initiative system from Savage Worlds. We want to use the cards because we think that's cool. I'm like, I think I, I think we can do that. It was kind of clunky until we figured out. And then it turned out where we went, okay, this equals that. Okay, that. Uh, so click, 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 click. We sorted it out. The campaign did not last very long. We had some people had to drop for, because of work schedules and stuff. But once we got it going, we're like, okay, this is just how we do initiative. But the, the group I was playing with, they really want, they thought that card flipping initiative was just awesome. And then when uh, one of the guys, Chris, wanted to run Phoenix Command, which was a crazy weird ass game. That he was just like, oh, he had such nostalgia love for it. So we're going to play this thing. It was fucking weird for me anyway. And he's like, I want to use the card system again. I'm like, good, because I don't understand the rest of this game at all. <laughs> at least I remember that initiative system. And I don't know if he still does it now, but he's like, I love this initiative system. I just think this is the coolest way to do initiative, you know, because we get enamored with stuff sometimes. He's like, oh, this is how I want to run initiative, like forever, because this is so cool. You know, I'm overemphasizing Chris wow. there. But I, I thought that was that was like one of my first experiences of I'm going to take this particular thing for a totally different game and cram it in on top of this stuff. I'm like, huh, interesting. I think the bigger problem that I would run into with this exercise would be that you mm-hmm. start getting into too many subsystems. And if the subsystems don't tie to the core mechanic... Right. Right. So you could say, okay, cards, I guess, but I have a a, a a feat here that gives me plus two in my initiative roll. There's no roll. My dexterity gives me a plus four. Do I pick a better card? What do I do with that? Right. So 
depending what it's doing and how it's messing with the mechanics of the the thing you're bolting in, it could be a little wonky. And that's what we ran into with GURPS. And then when he ran the Phoenix command, I, I didn't understand enough of that system. I'm like, I don't care, man. Just tell us how to do it. <laughs> it's kind of figure. It's kind of like, Chris, you know this, you know this stuff. We'll just fucking do whatever you say, brother. And that's how we did it. Yeah. But yeah, that the this packing and subsystems and so on. I think something really self-contained, like the the mini game, if you will, of the chase rules from Knights Black Agents. That's something that I think is portable in a way. You could have it be a chariot race, you could have it be cars, you could have it be a foot race through a city. I think you could do similar stuff with that. However, you still want to really know those and take a look at the stats and the core mechanics of the game you're poured, porting it into to determine what adjustments and compatibility you, you're talking about. And also think about the players and their characters, right? If somebody's been playing Shadowrun and they're a rigger, car driver, and they, this person, they've got all their stuff together, they understand the rules, they know this, they've built their character to be the world's fucking best rigger, and you say, and we're going to use these chase rules, you're like, how does... But I have all the... Shit. I don't know how those rules interact with this stuff. It can get kind of squirrely, you know? Definitely. Because we've talked about just switching from taking a first edition or second edition module and making it fifth edition compatible or second to third or an old Shadowrun rulebook to something else. It's not always that it's kind of straightforward-ish, but the compatibility isn't one for one. So there shouldn't be some work in there. I'm kind of surprised that this topic for you, Brett, uh, only because you... I make up shit all the time. You make up shit all the time, but you aren't... You're in your group specifically. You're not driven by the mechanics and the rules. You, you personally, like the the gang is maybe right. Yeah. They want to play Pathfinder. Oh, they want to. They want to play Amber they, or whatever. They grok on. They grok on the the way that characters build or change, and they they love. If it's crunchy, I'm like it's crunchy for you. It doesn't bother me as much because I know how to smooth over the bumps and right make it work. You're right. Right. Yeah. But in the at the same token, you have a desire. To kind mm. of customize something enough where you want to incorporate these components into one unified base core. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, that was my whole I want to make, you know, Brett's D&D version for my group is because I want to have something we can say, look, this scratches all itches for everybody, has all the right pieces and parts, and this is what we want to do. Yeah, it's a theory I have. I think it'd be fun to do, and it's just I like making shit. So I'm like, okay, I can make this thing, and we'll see how it works. Um, but that's within one. That's within the D and D world. I'm not looking to step outside of D and D and say, hey, I want to ah. steal this component. Now that said, I could definitely see grabbing astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers, rereading that and saying, aha. This could fit because it's essentially a D and D second edition type of game, as Tim Machine taught us. But there's pieces of it ooh, a little bit different. They do this a little different. They're to hit charts a little bit different. Maybe I could work some of that magic in here to make it to simplify something that could work. That's a clone. It's all within the same sphere of influence, right? Um, so generally, for me, I think my answer to Kojo's larger question is when I pulled system mechanics together. They tend to be from editions more than I would say big systems changes, right? 
Um, I would have a hard time taking something and saying, I want to make Dungeons and Dragons a player facing die rolls only. Who I'm gonna play some room for that. I'm like, that's just it seems such a big change in how that game would work. I'm like, that's not even the same fucking game anymore. It's so crazy. I'd have to do so much work. I'll just play Simberum or you know, Cypher or something different. If I wanted to go drastic, and that would be drastic for Brett. But I, mean, I, I am interested. Have you taken a court have you taken a look at um Cortex? Cortex? Yeah. I have not yet. Oh, I'm, I'm interested to, to do. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your take on it just because I know Ghost, um, member of the community, is a big advocate mm. for Cortex. Um, and, and I didn't know that. And I think I mentioned this before. And, and those that know Cortex obviously know it better than I do. But, you know, it's a framework to make a game. Like, But yeah. I'm interested on because that's, that's a different ball game. It totally is. And I think what, when you're getting into... That's not a generic system. That's like, you know, hey, you want PCs to have a core set of stuff? I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass right now, but yeah. Yeah. It's game design, you know, right. in a way. With, right. with, a, with a... Yeah. I, I think there is there is not a danger, if you will. Danger is too strong a word, but there's a component of Kojima's question that's like, if you go too far and what's too far, you decide, right? You'd be the judge there, but if you were to say, look, I want to run Savage Worlds, but I don't like the card initiative, I want to use group initiative with a single six out of die. I have no idea what that would do to Savage Worlds other than potentially cause some problems with different feats, skills, bumps, powers, and things that folks have that may have something to do with drawing an extra card. It may use vernacular in the mechanics, I'm pretty damn sure it does, that references the card draw. If you were to play the original Deadlands, and you have, actually, I think Deadlands Savage Worlds even has a deck of cards for shootouts and so forth. You know, if you're doing, if you're, uh, uh, what the fuck is it? Like, um, like you two guys meet at dawn, right? You're going to meet at high noon. You have a showdown. Right. You know, you're going to have the old six guns at noon. Yeah. There's a very particular set of rules for it. And if you change that, there's particular subspecies within it that influence the abilities that people have in such a showdown. You could advertently, inadvertently force yourself to have to rebuild an entire component of your game. Right. To have the consistency that you want and to have the verisimilitude and all that good stuff that goes with it. You just get, you could fuck that up pretty bad if you're not careful. Well, and I think with, one of Kojo's things is like, I like the initiative system in Star Wars Fantasy Flight games, which is you roll your dice and you get slots. Mm -hmm. You can do that. So he isn't like, oh, bust out the fancy dice, roll versus cool or vigilance, right? Because one is, I mean, oh, it's one, to, one skill is used for one thing and one is used for another. But it, they both tie into the initiative roll. He's not saying bust that out and then roll the funky dice, count up your successes, and then rank it, right? He's talking about how it executes it in the end, which is everybody rolls. It could be cards. Like everybody flips cards, and then it slots, which is, I think, a, a happy medium because if you do start get into these, like, hey, here's the chase rules from Knights Black Agents, and you go head deep into that, 
you're right, Brad. It, it ends up like, oh, shit, I don't, it breaks something else. Or I didn't yeah. look into like the unified component of what's well, all just a D6 role. And now I'm playing something else, but the thing I'm playing isn't all D6. That's like Forbidden Lands, which is something you're going to run into. So Brett's talk. Can I divulge this? I don't know if it's a big deal. No, yeah, you, you yeah. talked to me about this. I'm like, oh, it uses different dice for this and so forth. I'm like, oh, different. Right. It's just right. different. Right. Brett. Brett was talking about could he incorporate a. He did it on the last show actually. Can he incorporate some of the elements of Forbidden Lands hex crawl into an urban crawl type thing? Yeah, for for like Streets of Avalon, like you want to go from one part of right. the city to the other. This could be a really cool checklisty type of approach. I'm listening to this one. Man, I could I do that and make this fucking work? This could be pretty wicked. Right. However, Sean said. <laughs> yes, it, you can, but then then you have to go, okay, what are the abilities that tie into it? And it's all D6 because it's your uh, your zero engine based. So mm -hmm. ones and sixes and six. So then when you go to, into something that's like, well, it's skills and the skill table is using a D20 for resolution and a DC, how do I how do I morph that together to make it work? Or because mm -hmm. then what Brett's going to have to do is something similar to what Kojo's doing and saying, I like the concept of this. Therefore, Brett's going to do it on a D twenty roll and say everything is target number X. The skills are going to apply to this, and this is the roles of each person going through the city. So he's basically taking it from a Mutineer Zero component into a D&D, say, 5th edition for lack. Yep. Yeah. And then and doing that um, and going, this is kind of like, because it's the same thing, we just use different dice and the, the, the skills from each system are different. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I think um, those have a callback to other, and taking components, that, that takes more work, right? When I talk about... The majority of this for me is an addition thing. How the hell does it work over there? We'll just use that rule for now because everyone's got strength, intelligence, wisdom, dexterity, constitution, charisma. So we have, we have their stats in D&D. &D. We know what those are. Boom. We know what this is in this version of, you know, Star Frontiers or excuse me, not Star Frontiers. I'm just going to say Shadowrun versus the next version of Shadowrun and we're Shadowrun 6. We'll remember 3's chase. Well, fuck it. Let's just do this for tonight. That's pretty interchangeable in a way because a lot of it some of it changes, some of it doesn't, depending. And I'm, I don't know enough Shadowrun to talk yeah. in detail with it. <clears throat> yeah, but I know I, some I of know. it's pretty different. Anyway, point right. is, is that sometimes within the within the same sphere of influence, you can get around with like, oh, I forgot, or hopping around. But when you want to do something that's a little more in depth, like you like you talked about here, if I'm going to go and do that, really take a look at it, Brett, because the way they're doing it, how would that map to what your character sheet says? Right. Because if it doesn't map appropriately, you could run into some grief problems, whatever. It's a little take play testing. And the other component, we've talked about this before, is, you know, you're doing this for fun. I'm not doing this to make a gajillion dollars. I'm just doing this for funsies. So if I produce a thing with for my friends, hey, let's try this. Go, wow, that didn't work. You know what we're going to do next time? We'll use the dexterity bonus instead of this because, wow, that seems like it's more effective or more realistic. Well, let's do that. The, um, the other one I, I've done... Now I think about it is that the I've run D and D oftentimes running Avalon is I don't necessarily use initiative. Something will happen depending on what their characters are. Something happens. Sean goes, Eileen goes, Ange goes, you know, Ty goes. 
we bump around like that. Wayne, your turn, Joe, your turn. I hop around smash cutting. And sometimes initiative matters, sometimes it doesn't, depending what's going on. Or even if you're in a group, I come up with an initiative for whatever reason, just off out of my gut, I guess, where I say, look, the way this is working, Sean goes, then you go, then you go, then you go, then you go, and now the bad guy goes. And we figure out a cycle. It's always the same. And it has a consistency in how I'm doing it. I'd have to sit down and actually document how I do it or what I think about when I do it, because I I honestly can't tell you right now off the top of my head. But until I analyze it, I just say, look, I have a consistent approach for it, and it seems to work. No one's complaining to me because it feels fair. feels like everybody has to go first at at some point, which is like the starting cool shot, blah, blah, blah. It all makes sense. And they don't feel like they've lost their initiative bonus for dexterity because that still plays in all this other cool shit that they get to do. Right. Or I know someone took the feat in a Pathfinder game that gives them a plus whatever to initiative. So I'm like, well, you do have that feat. So you get to go. You get to go ahead of this person. Oh, cool. That makes sense. Everyone. I buy that. Let's just move on. So. I don't know where I pulled that out of. I used to run a vampire like that because I think. I forgot what the initiative system is when I first did it, and I came up with that on the fly, just how I ran Vampire Initiative. Went around the table, figured things out. But um, I think it's it's one of those pieces where I think it's initiative is one of those places where you can break it, mess with a little bit. It's not that bad, I think. Yeah, the Duke of Purple mentioned in the chat where it's like probably one of the key components of role-playing games that probably gets hacked the most. And, I know, would not doubt it. Yeah. And I think there's a there's a cool piece. I mean, even in D&D, there's like group initiative, individual initiative, individual for everybody, including every goblin on the table. Um, separate groups as individuals, blah, blah, blah. What was it? Mike Merles had that funky one um, where you took where you took different dice, depending on what it was you're trying to do. Um, well, back to your casting spell, you got like a D4 or something. If you're doing this, you got a D20 and so on. It would automatically slot, <clears throat> tend to slot you in a slower or faster type of place. So there's tons of different ways to do it. And I think sometimes spicing up the initiative component, like Ojo talked about, and as you just mentioned there, I, I think that's that's cool. And it can lead to fighting is a very dynamic component of the game, oftentimes. And if you change up initiative, the whole thing just feels different. Like it's got a different feel to it, it has a different vibe. It's not like just roll your D6, roll your 20, shout out a number. I'm at a 10, I'm at a 15. God, my dice suck. I'm at a two. You know, if you're using something different with it, that can really spice it up. And I can see that being a reason why you'd want to, right? Where you look at something and say, I want to spice this up. We've got different monsters, different things. But every time combat starts, it's though it's like this ugly step or it feels like initiative is this thing that's like this annoying burden. We just want to fight. Why do we have to stop the action, do some math and write it down? I'm hyperbolizing a little bit here, but it's it you know, that type of thing can kind of grind you down. Or if you're like, look, I don't like the chase rules from Knights Black Agents. Why can't we just use these chase rules from this game that we all know and love and it's pretty much the same, you know. I could absolutely see doing that to change up a component of something that feels humdrum, dull in some way. Totally makes sense to me why you'd want to do that. And again, initiative, it feels like it's not too big of a, it could be a fairly, fairly uh, fair game changer because in some action economy setups, you know, more actions first, 
means you might win faster. You know, first strike is all equals last strike in some cases, but it might not. I don't know. It's worth playing with, most definitely. I like the idea. Sean, is there anything else that you could think of from like a steel mechanics perspective, one that makes sense to you that you'd like to do or thought about? I mean, it's always interesting to f to see how a game incorporates certain elements. Hex crawl, initiative, resource allocation. Bonds. Bonds. Like, yeah, backstory. Why am I together? What's the incentive for me to be nice to Brad? Oh, I can do something with him and I get a, a boon or whatever. Yep. So it is interesting to see and you could see in some games like oh, they stole that from something else they totally stole Absolutely. that from whatever and i think some of those pieces are of interest but i don't know if i would want to sit down and go through an exercise where i would go oh i want to take this and incorporate it into into this game and i want to take this and incorporate it into that game to the point where because I think I would run into to issues. And some of the games with things that I don't like, like, say, for example, I'm playing AD&D. I don't, I'm not a big fan of, th you know, that goes. Descending armor class. Yeah, I'm not like descending armor class. class. It's just over, like, hey, if I played that game forever, great. And I continue to play it, fine. But I haven't. It. I. Hey, there's this new way of doing it. And I go, oh. That makes more sense to me. Wow. It's counter it's counterintuitive to you. So yeah. I mean if I went and that in taking, you know, any of the retro clones like Swords and Wizardry, we had this chart in there that says this is what the this is what the upward versus downward armor class translates to. And they have both. Yeah, I'm just saying if your base armor class is a nine, that means you're zero to whatever looks like this and so oh, right. okay. Right. What's quicker chart to learn, you know? Right. Then right. the burden's more on the game master and everybody else because he's got to go change his monsters ACs on you. But yeah, I mean, there totally is something that. to be said, you know, and Star Wars is one of those systems, and there's others, of course, that just say this is the way it works for everything that you do. If you're going to do a skill check, you know, or everything is a skill check, and and the way it's done is mm. this die pool thing, and you count up the success, successes. Whether you are in a freaking starship in a chase or not a chase, you're battling it out, starfighter to big cruiser or starfighter to starfighter, or you're going after Brett's non-player character, it's the same. There is something to be said about those types of things where it's like, and that's another thing about Forbidden Lands and Year Zero Engine is it, it, it can cross over a lot of things like it's it's this there's i don't have to worry about how does this work how does that work i don't know i there's mean a, a little consistency bit in, there's a consistency in mechanics that have there's 3d6 in front of you and that's all you ever roll right you don't have what die do i roll for that again how right. much damage does that do I just, shadow I of the demon lord start. robert schwab yeah. on his interview with craig shipman at third floor wars if you haven't checked it out go and check it out it's uh, rob's always a good interviewer I mean, he purposely went out of his way to say, I'm going to make this a freaking D6 game. Because I, he, and he said he had played with, he had some of his group who hadn't played in years or never played a role playing game. And he's like, I don't want to explain to them or point to a die and go, it's that one. No, no, it's that one. So it's D6, it's Monopoly, Dice, it's always yeah. the same. And I don't know Shadow of the Demon Lord from a hole in the ground other than the premise. 
but there's something to be said about that, right? Yeah. There, there's a certain simple can... elegance behind when Harrigan rolled white lies and it's based off a white box and it's like, okay, give me a D6 roll and if you roll above a four, I'll say you succeed. And that's, I mean, the D20 <laughs> thing was, you know, basically it's rolled to, it's roll a D20 for everything. Everything is roll a 20. You know, damage uses the different dice, but otherwise, you know, apart from rolling your stat, some of the holdovers in D and D, your uh, now it's it's roll a roll a d twenty to check for your skill to save to check for skill bonuses to attack to save blah 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 blah. It's all d twenty. Fair. Yeah, you know. So I think there's definitely something in that direction, and I think sometimes when we have games that if we're going to change a component of it, I I think what I'm hearing here is that. Be careful of that because if everybody's grooving in the fact that it's it's a pool of six out of dice, and suddenly you say, "Boy, I want to use a deck of cards," it could be a record scratch. Right. Well, it uses three d six. It's PBTA. Uh, how hard is this? It's X number of d six, or I think it's two d six. Two d six. Thank you. It's two d six. Why am I using a d twenty to roll for initiative all of a sudden? It right. just yeah. I didn't even bring you know, <laughs> I didn't even bring that to the game type of thing. Why I didn't know I needed that. It knocks me out of this game. You know, you could have that type of impact. Some games are easier, possibly, or your group. Sometimes it's not even a game. It's what you know your group can handle or what you like or what's doable for you. How can you keep it consistent? How can you work with it? You know, if you change it up or get a little crazy, like you said, if, if Koja were to say, well, we're going to pull out the funky dice from um, from Star Wars and we're going to play D and D on a deck of cards. <laughs> People go, "What the fuck are we playing here?" Right. Some of those that pretty big. I mean, extreme examples, but that could uh, could be a little shattering to some people's uh, view. You made your own car. Um, didn't want to just that? go and buy a used one somewhere. You know, no, 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 no it's great. You know, you know, and the and the guess guess what? Guess who it benefits? The guy who created the car. Like the guy who built the car. Like the person riding in it and all that shit might have an appreciation of it, but they're like, eh, I gotta just go out and buy this one down the street. But you built one. Like, yeah. okay. Oh, and you want me to think that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread? Wait a minute. <laughs> and you want me to try driving it? Holy shit, I don't even know how you put this thing together, right? So sometimes yeah. those game masters are like, yes, but this is so much better. And it's like, for maybe a select number of people, including yourself, the game master. And there's nothing wrong with that, as we said before. Like, if this works for you and your five players, rock, do that thing. That's absolutely, totally legit. Go do that thing. But <clears throat> there is the other pieces. Whenever you do that thing, you're going to change it. Be prepared for the feedback, right? It, it's your darling or your sacred, your sacred little thing, and it might get killed. The group may ride on you, and they may say, yeah, we don't like that. We preferred 2D6 all the time in our PBTA games. I really don't want to roll percentiles. <laughs> or I really don't want to do a deck of cards. Or I don't want to do this thing. I don't you, want to use funky dice, you know. You created Fatal. You created Fatal. <laughs> <laughs> I created a horrible game. Why you created would I do fatal. that? I created a new game. It's like exactly like Fatal. <laughs> That's terrible. I leave the table immediately after I punch you. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Anyway, Kojo, I hope we covered that for you, man. Um, if we missed something, let us know. And other folks out there, if you've got ideas, thoughts, themes on how to do this or um, things to be to be nervous of or to be wary of. And again, this is, doesn't mean don't do it or, oh, my God, the gaming police will come and kick your ass if you fuck around with stuff. 
some people don't like doing this at all. And I think, or having it done, quote unquote, to them, i.e. some players like, oh, whoa, I came, I sat down with my bucket of D10s to play this game. And why are we doing this? You know, some people don't like boats rocked. So if you're going to do this, buying is a big thing, getting people to understand it, running through examples, all that stuff can be very important. I'm kind of curious how folks out there, if you've done this, how you've done it, and um, what trials, tribulations you ran into, and do, have you, no one has a foolproof way, but have you found ways that help you make these things happen easier for you and your groups? That'd be good to hear about. So we good, Sean? Yeah, we're good. Let us know, please. Awesome. All right, let's get into die roll. Let's do it. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points game in a geekery. I want to share with you. First one, play unsafe. How improvisation can change the way you role play by Graham Walsley. And my cat's like puking on my carpet. And I'm just going to. You know what you should do? You should tear the floor out. <laughs> You should redo one, the whole base. One throw rug, man. It's like, can you I know, I'm puke kidding. on the vinyl so I just no, wipe don't. it up? I got, no. I got hardwood floors and tile, man. Oh, God. The first thing that Jack does when he was sick, he ran right underneath the, the over to the, where the carpet was. I'm like, really? Dude, is it just whatever? <laughs> just anyway, carry up. on. I get, uh, but I, I got this on audio. I don't know why. It popped up in my, I don't know. I bought it. It is, I think I listened to it on a run. And I don't run very far or very long. So I think the book is like a hot, I don't even know if it's 80 pages, but I got to say, he put some things together and I'm, I would say, Brett, it's something you'll be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But even one of the things that he mentioned was. Grant Walmsley's interesting. He wrote the um, Stealing Cthulhu book I have. Yeah. Go on. He mentioned it, it. I think it's more of an essay than a book, but regardless, it's some of the things he talks about is how players and game masters can shut down a game. Right. And mm. how do you do it without doing it? Or, or how do you not shut down the game? Right. So if Brett goes here in a, you're in a jail cell. Okay. I try to pick the lock. Well, you don't have your lock pick. Okay. Well, I try. Is there something else in the room? No. Right. It's those things. So then when a, when it goes the other way and it says, well, I intimidate the NPC, okay, he doesn't seem afraid, right? So it's like literally giving in more. And he goes into something where it's like, don't prep. Like, yeah. if you prep, you could have a bad game. But if you, if you don't prep, your players could see you as a genius Blah, 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 blah. So it's interesting. A, yeah, it is an interesting book. Read quick. It's quick, fast. Well, one, of the, one of the cool things now about books and advice and essays like this is there is a ton of things that really good game masters out there have been doing, stuff I've been trying to do. Um, and I, I listen to other people like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can't, oh fuck, I got to try to mock that, man. I got to figure out how you did that. That's really cool. And there's some really cool advice out there. Um, way better than anything Sean and I ever do. <laughs> That <laughs> actually somebody puts together a very not step by step, but a well thought out and explained approach to things, and that is pretty fucking awesome. So, yeah. all right, I found that on Amazon. We're gonna have to go buy it. All yeah, right, keep going. It's good. Uh, eighty-two pages total. That's not bad at all. From Margaret Wee Weiss, she tweeted when Tracy Hickman presented the idea of Dragonlance to TSR back in nineteen eighty-three, eighty-four. Steve Sullivan. 
And artist Tim Truman submitted a proposal for a Dragonlance comic book. And so Steve Sullivan is an artist that has a blog who mentioned it and actually puts up like three or four panels of what would could have been uh, the Dragonlance comic book. Comics, huh. So. Interesting. Yeah, it's not a very long story, by the way, but nonetheless, I thought it was interesting. Fun. Yeah. Number three, Sanctum Secorum. If you haven't subscribed to those guys, um, I believe Jen Brinkman is part of that podcast as well. I mm-hmm. think Bob, her Jen husband Bob. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They go through novels and things of that nature. And it's a much literature based. Tim DeShane was on that for a while. Yeah, Tim. Um, Dave Beatty. Dave Beatty. Dave Beatty, Beatty was. <clears throat> not Tim. Beatty was there. Yeah. Nope, Tim was not. But they are Which interviewing you- yes. John Vance. Oh, that's awesome. Not very, very Jack cool. Vance. John is his son. It would be hard to talk to Jack. Right. Very cool. Yeah. I don't that's know awesome. when. They said they're going to, I don't know when the date is, but. Sanctum Secorum is a really, it's got a great format. They pull some good stuff together. Really insightful. Just fun talking about books, which I like talking about books. And I also love the, uh, they have really good DCC tie-ins. Like, you know, it's got a very, it has a strong Goodman Games bent, which is totally fine. But it's 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 fun. It's a fun podcast. They do a really good job. Yeah. And then last but not least, I mentioned this on Saturday when I streamed Call of Cthulhu Classic Kickstarter. I got in on it. I sprung. Did you? Yeah. So they're offering a one-inch book and a one-inch book. One-inch one box. Book. That's a small book. And a two-inch box. So the one-inch box, you get like the rules, I think which is second edition. Uh, maybe some other, like a module or two. I don't know. It's smaller amount. And then the two inch mm-hmm. box, you get all that plus like the five scenarios. It's for its 40th anniversary. And it's like five of the core pinnacle cornerstone scenarios. Yeah. Probably went superior. And there's additions. Like they, they revised some of it and you know, they didn't convert wow. it all. But they just, you know, made some tweaks here and there. But oh, fun, 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 fun. Yeah. So, Brett, do you have all those? Probably. I may have a. I don't think I do. Okay. <clears throat> I don't think I do. So this is what we talk about gaming collection. The Cthulhu stuff is some of the inspirational pieces. When I pick them up, I tend to hold on to those. Yeah. Because there's always something good in there that I can use to uh, just to, to run a new Cthulhu game to make it new and interesting. Some of, those, fi- some of those adventures have some wickedly cool ideas. Yeah, I find like Simbaroom, Tales from the Loop, Bubble, insert whatever game. I always want to pick up a module or supplement, regardless of if I'm going to run it or not, just so I can see how it's like, oh. It's how it's supposed to be. Gotcha, yeah. That's why I like, that's why I like um, Simbaroom, I think, does a good job in the back, which I mentioned when we talked about it. Like the adventure in the back of the book. Like, sure. hey, here's an idea. That shit's awesome. When they're good adventures, I love the stuff in the uh, Trail of Cthulhu and Book Hounds of London in the back. It's like, hey, this is how you use the mechanics we just talked about and how you do this thing. It's a very nice, not step-by-step, too, too basic, but it's a, it's a good way to go. Yeah. So nice. I got in on that, which I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if I should. Do I, don't I, do I, oh, don't I? Oh, I don't know. So I was going through Kickstarters on Saturday a little bit, and I'm like, uh... Yeah, this one ends in 18 days as of today, July 5th, so by the time this drops, you'll have a few more days left to sort out what you are what you want to do, if anything. Cool. 
Yeah, so that's all we had for this episode. Brett, what are we talking about next week? Do you know? I don't know. Oh. I'm not sure. I've got a couple different ideas. I'm going to hit you up outside of here. Um, see what makes the most sense. But yeah, we've got. I got a couple things in the hopper that people have been throwing around. I got to check Discord, sort through that mess, and find out what the hell have people have been talking about. What sounds fun, and then I go through the forums and such. So, but we're going to crank out a few more topics for us. So it's coming. After listening to Graham Wals, 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 Walsley's book thing, yeah. I was like going to read, I was going to, he also takes it from an improv author. So I got that book because it was the incentive of his oh, okay. to see what that looked like. But one thing I was thinking of that Graham was mentioning was, you know, hey, you don't plan anything. He said, one scenario I went into, I had three words like prison break out of whatever and this right it's kind of like the iron gm yeah, yeah exercise and i wonder sometimes if by role-playing games we're doing it wrong instead of mounds of text how come we don't have pictures like a picture book like legit awesome illustrations for remember tsr's monster cards i don't so first edition, they had the monster was like red dragon, flip it over, stats. It was like just monsters. Sure. I, so step in that direction where you say, this is an idea, this is an idea from a monster. Now, the other piece is like, this is where Pinterest comes in. You yes. just go through, ooh, this right. is fucking, this is an adventure set. Yes. This is happening right here. And you just steal it. Right. I said, this is what drew me to Simberum when I just started looking at the art. I'm like, every time I look at any one of these pictures, I want to know what's happening in this picture. Right. So why, I mean, illustrations and art are big in role-playing games. Yes. Yes. But when you do a scenario, like if, if you were, I think sometimes you get, I do personally, if I read, okay, it's, it's a published adventure, I have to read all the text. But if I sat down and Brett's like, hey, Sean, let's run, I want to play. Will you run something? I go, okay, sure, Brett. Hmm, let me think about this. And I have this, I mean, for lack of better words, a picture book, right? And I said, okay, let me just, let me, give me five minutes to like thumb through this thing, right? And I go through it and I go, okay, let me pick this, this, okay, I think this. Okay, good, I'm good. And then you use those as inspiration for the situation, then then I'm good. Like, I don't need the text because Brett's going to go, all right, how does this start? Okay, you guys are in... A village, but the village isn't like your normal village. It's, you know, and you describe an image. Right now, this is, I got to get this book in my hands, read it, because we need to, this is a good topic, because there's, part of me thinks about like, okay, how much system mastery do you have to have to be able to run this? Right. That way, off the cuff, right? I know enough of the D&D monsters and such that I could go right now, you want to run Greyhawk right now? Done. You got a character? Let's go. I have an adventure. Right. Off the top of my head. I can do this because I have all this shit, right? And sometimes when you see a picture, you go, ooh, that's where Sathagwa lives. Ooh, that's where this is and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, uh, I like it. All yeah. right, I'm gonna, I've got the book ordered, dude, so it's going to show up soon. Already. Yeah, and I don't even think Graham goes into that specifically, but I'm thinking to myself, why do you buy a tome to read and memorize and kind of like, okay, okay, I think I got the plot here, right? You're reading yeah. a book and then you're understanding the plot and then you're spewing it upon the players. And instead, 
you just take off of inspiration. Now, other people don't need a picture. They just come up in their brain and go, okay, you know, improvisation. Yeah. I'm going to come up with something. Brett does a pretty good job about it himself. But I'm saying for those that are nervous about improv and, and running a game and published in prep, cutting all that apart, right? And, and yeah. saying, hey, I want to, I just need, here's like five pictures of different sites and what they look like. You know, one could be a cave. Another one could be uh, And how do you time ruins. together? Right. Yeah. You know, and then you could just... All right. As, it's like it's like it's like Mad Libs uh, for adventure design. Damn you, right? Fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah, and without even the text, because the yeah, players yeah. are going to go along and they're going to go, okay. Well, I I approach the cave. I want to. Is it dark? No. no. It's not. As a matter of fact, it's not a dark cave. There seems to be a glowing light. Well, what color is the light? It's blue. Well, you know. Yeah. It's I not written down. You just go with the flow. Yep. So. Oh, that's cool. I Story like Cubes is a good one. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Table Talk. All right. Hey, anyways, next week we'll have something else to talk about. We stream every Monday night at 8 p.m. here on Twitch, uh, Central Time U.S. Uh, just head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash Twitch. Otherwise, if you see this on YouTube, uh, do us a favor. Give us a like or a subscribe that would be greatly appreciated otherwise check us out at our our podcatcher of choice for our flagship show um just do a search for gaming nbs and yeah there will be and there you go that's all i have to say about that but otherwise i'm sean and i'm brett good night good game and all this episode of gaming nbs produced with help from the following bsers Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Marco Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stephen Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Schools at Roleplay, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Emoth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Michael Dinos, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maura Reese, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Cast Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke of Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorp, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Bob Fletcher, Vornak, and Andrew Lear. Hey, if you're interested, you could have your name read off at the end of the show. I know, prestige, right? Head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Hey, and if you don't want to give it the $4 level, give it the $1 level. I mean, it's less than the cost of a 20-ounce soda. Thanks, BSers! This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.